Welcome to the Fred Dojo Podcast, the place where pro guitar players share their secrets. Visit www.freddojo.com to access online courses and free resources to take your guitar playing to the next level. Hello and welcome back to another Fret Dojo podcast episode where we're all about taking your jazz guitar playing to the next level. In today's episode, Carl Orr, Fret Dojo's current artist in residence, interviews the very accomplished guitarist Damien Cooper. Damien is a freelance London-based guitarist who has held the Guitar One chair on Thriller Live since 2009 and has been a member of Dr Hook from 2015. He is originally from Australia and after 20 years of playing and touring around Australasia with acts covering styles from jazz to rock to cabaret, Damien relocated to London. Since then, he has been an in-demand player on both the London scene and abroad. His theatre credits include Jesus Christ Superstar, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Godspell, Dancing in the Streets and many more. Damien has also toured and recorded and worked with a variety of different artists, including Dennis Pearson, Jimmy Somerville, Dr. Hook, Beverly Knight, and many more. This episode highlights the importance and discipline of rhythm guitar, which is a huge strength of Damien and a real tribute to his success as a working musician. There are also some great tips shared by both Carl and Damien about improvisation in a live performance setting. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, welcome to the Fret Dojo podcast. Uh, today I've got a very uh, interesting, unique guest who's a, a phenomenal guitarist and has been a good friend of mine for a very long time and like myself is from uh, wonderful Australia. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Damien Cooper. Thanks for having me on, mate. Very honoured. Yeah, anyway, it's wonderful to have you here. Um, you've had quite a, a long career in music already. Um, so let's go from the beginning and talk about how you got to where you are and the things that you've done along the way. So, um, well, let's start at the beginning. Where were you born? Um, I was born in uh, Coffs Harbour, a coastal town. and uh, North of Sydney. Yeah, a few hours about five hours north. Um, mm. I lived there till I was six. My dad's job moved around a bit, so we were in Coffs and then Armadale, and then pretty much grew up from the age of nine in a little country, beautiful country town in Australia called Mudgee, which is in the New South Wales. Oh, beautiful place. Yeah. yeah. I, I grew famous up Famous for wine, isn't it? Very famous for its wine. Uh, Mudgee is an Aboriginal word, it means nest in the hills. And it's just, yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful. I really miss the country. I haven't lived there, I haven't been there for probably 20 years. Um, but. Um, I think it's that long, but yeah, it's gorgeous. I miss the bush and uh, and um, yeah, you know the vibe out there. Is, it's it's you know having lived in London for fifteen years, you, the, the kind of things you miss, the simple things. The beach is one thing, yeah. but the bush is another thing as well. Yeah, I, I played at Mudgy Jazz Festival. Must have been about nineteen ninety four, I think ninety three or ninety four. I didn't even know they had with, one. With, yeah, with Wanderlust, it was. Oh, it was right, okay. I think it was the first one they had. And it was in a winery, and I just remember them plying us with food and wine. I mean, I didn't really drink, but they were very hospitable, typical country yeah. Aussies, yeah. you know. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful people, beautiful part of the world, yeah. It was a lovely place to grow up, and I was really lucky. I, I 
I kind of, you know, obviously was really into guitar and, and took to it straight away and then and, and pretty much played with all the musicians in the in the town in different bands and started gigging from the age of 14 or something. And Oh, what sort of gigs? Uh, the first thing I ever did was um, with a, a country fiddle player called Alan Walsh, who's still there. I and mean, we did, did a wedding with him and uh, a function. It was like a proper gig. So you had to learn a whole lot of songs. Yeah, it was real, you know, it was real kind of country stuff. It was, oh. you know, um, I think I read the sheet music, even though I couldn't read, but it was just country guitar, you know, one and five bass stuff along with the fiddle player. You know, I think I was playing my electric Onyx though through a Jade amplifier, <laughs> you know, which I thought was amazing that my, my father, my parents managed to get the money together to buy for me. You know, I was very, su- yeah. very supportive. But, um, and then just yeah, started playing in rock bands and meeting different cats. You know, I was really young and they're probably in their late 20s, early 30s. And I learned a lot. You know, I really started cutting my teeth on uh, just playing in a rhythm section and Playing pop music. Playing in a rhythm section. Yeah, playing so, rock, so, rock and roll and, you know, yeah. classic Aussie rock so, and all that sort of stuff. So what, so obviously as as a guitarist, no matter what style of music we play, whether it's jazz or funk or rock or whatever, um, blues, country, we're playing rhythm guitar the great majority of the time, aren't yes. we? Yeah, and I, I would have made my living. My, I've made my living probably out of being good at that. I think largely, you know, and um, being able to play in time, being able to play in the pocket, getting a good sound. So yeah, you know, all that, all that kind of. And I love it. I love it. I'm happy sitting yeah, on. A, I can sit on a groove all night in a good rhythm section and just get off on the drummer and the yeah. bass player. I go to a gig. I get off on the drummer and the bass player and listen to someone playing. You know, yeah, it's great. You know, it's it's. Um, so what 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 have you? You know, through your experience, what what do you think makes a good rhythm guitarist? Because I, I have to say, out of all, a lot of the famous guitarists who we admire, a lot of them are actually, I have to say, not very good rhythm guitarists. No, um, because they they don't need they to. They don't work know, on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and they that kind of it's you not know, their passion. See, it's not their. I'm not going to name any names, but you see, sort of famous. Guitarists like just jabbing the odd chord here and there, not really contributing. The the one exception I can think of is is Lee Rittenauer. Yep. As far as big name jazz guitarists, Robin Ford's another going. guy. I think is an amazing rhythm guitarist. Yeah, he's a very he, he's good. He's just yeah. like blows but me it, away. Hearing him play rhythm guitar is, is I enjoyed as much yeah. as his his lead work. You know, it's just yeah. So I I agree. And the sound, but actually. What, yeah. Well, but in the like in the like the world of the big jazz stars that we're we all listen to it's a kind of it's very different to the sort of uh grassroots gigging world isn't it what's required of people and i think being a rhythm guitarist is absolutely the most important thing isn't it definitely it's it's our it's our job and and just like you say you know we we sort of you grow up and you're into all the the shed shredding or the lead you want to be a lead everyone wants to be a lead player you know and and um I think early on I just I really enjoyed I mean I love playing Lee but really enjoyed the rhythm side of things as well and and um the only way to get good at that of course is to play with people who kick your ass time wise, you know. Yeah. And listen to lots of different cats doing Sorry, it. what do you mean kick your ass time? People who are better than you. Oh you know, okay. people who uh you're really trying to get in the pocket with, you know. 
So why did you use the word, the expression time-wise? Kick your ass time-wise. Just having uh, having great time. If you're playing with a drummer and a bass player or anyone, any combination of instruments, and they're all playing together, mm. you know, and you've, you've, got to, you've got to play with them, you know. Mm. Um, and there's so many different ways to do that. You know, having done that Jackson show for a long time, I've got to play with a lot of great different rhythm sections, and it could be different every night because there's pe- different people playing on the show. Sorry, can you can you clarify that? You just said the Jackson. Oh, yeah. So the the, main the Michael Jackson uh, Thriller Live is the show I've been uh, depping on in the. You know, it's been my gig for the last eleven years in the West End. West End, of West London, End of London, yeah. and um, mm. and it's it's um, yeah, having a lot of different. We've been there for such a long time. It's a six piece band, and people take a lot of time off, so you get different players coming in and filling their shoes, and and. Um, even though you're playing the same music every night, you know it so well, you know, like the back of your hand. It's as soon as you get a different bass player coming, a different drummer coming, or combinations of it, changes the whole gig, which can be really right. enjoyable, you know. Um, punches might hear yeah. that, but you feel it, you know. Yeah. And I must say, those uh, Michael Jackson and Jackson 5 yeah. songs, there is some really Talk about rhythm guitar. Wonderful, wonderful yeah. rhythm guitarist. Who's that guy, David Williams? Yeah, and Louis. Louis um, Louis, Shel- Shelton. Louis Shelton, I was yeah. in Australia now. Of Legend. course, what's that? Yeah, I, I want, I want you back. Yep, yeah, he That's played on heaps of those things. <laughs> of course, Steve Lukather, I'm all the rock yeah. stuff, and uh, it was a load of different guys. It's a wonderful discipline as a guitarist, isn't it, to to play that those parts as they yes. are, and just lock right in with the bass and drums. It's actually. One of the great pleasures of life. It isn't is. It? You really feel you really feel like you're part of something. Yeah. You know, it's um, yeah. As opposed to being out there and being the star, you kind of you're in the engine room and you're you know you're helping create the heat that's getting pushed out the front kind of thing. You know, and on a show yeah. like that, it really does affect. I mean, how the dancers are going to perform and they want to hit. They got to hit. Oh, you know, does it? You notice? Yeah. It? If you have got a great band, it's it's they're going to they're feeling they're more of the energy. You know, it's, it's you, you notice that the dancers dance better. When well, I've had people say stuff to me. dance, you know, and I'll yeah. sometimes peer around if it's a different different drummer or bass player and be like, "Wow, who's this guy?" You know, they're into it. You know, they're they're like musicians. Music lovers, yeah, they're like musicians. Yeah, a couple of them probably yeah. are musicians, but you know, yeah. Oh, that's really sorry. Wonderful. Probably got off your original yeah. question there. Well, no, that's okay. Guitar, so we yeah, were growing up in Australia, yeah, rhythm playing guitar, in, playing yeah. the bands, and you know, learning, starting yeah, to learn wonderful. my trade like that, and and also being interested in. Um, started getting my ears around, you know, the the greats, you know, the. You know, uh, it's just funny. I when I grew up, I kind of got into BB King and Clapton and Hendrix, those young guys, those older guys first, I guess, and then more yeah. of the shredders, and then kind of discovering. A little bit of jazz like George Benson and, and things like that really sort of turned my ear onto different stuff, you know, not just being a rock. rock yeah. Guy. So what was it that in jazz that really got your ear then? What, what was a, the thing that hooked a you? Friend in? Of mine, a friend of my parents was a pro singer from, from Sydney from years back, was a session singer, and she, she, she gave me Breezy, that album by George. What's her name? Uh, her stage name was Penny Parsings. I haven't right. seen her for years, but she used to be on the Mike Walsh show. She was quite big. Oh, you know, she brilliant. Was quite, yeah. you know, she's a good friend of my uh, of my mother's. And um, 
she gave me this album Breezing, and of course I, I loved it. You know? Of course, that's the more funkier side of. But I think I think that's a brilliant album. You know, it's. it's but it it's music of great it quality, is. isn't it? And with uh, uh, Klaus Ogerman's amazing orchestral mm. arrangements. That sort of you know, my dad got, got had, was sort of had got me uh, had a Carlos Santana album. And I know that's not clearly jazz, but. Um, that's oh, the next door. Yeah, neighbor. it's kind of it's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don Burroughs did a gig at the Town Hall in Mudgee when I was about thirteen, fourteen. When I was getting into, oh, into this right. music, and and George Gola was uh-huh. there, and I, I went and talked to him. You know, oh, and he wonderful. was he was like, ah, you know, I said I said to him, do you do you play pentatonic scales and jazz? Because that's all I knew. <laughs> he goes, we don't play, we don't really play pentatonic <laughs> scales because he's quite a, you know, hey yeah. George, and uh, you know, Aussie Aussie <laughs> legend. Um, Mm. He was very nice though, and I said I was into Santana. Yeah, I was into Santana. Gen- he said, "Well, it's yeah. like jazz. Maybe you'll pursue it more." And oh, yeah, he was he really, said. you know, little <laughs> little fat country kid. You know, just oh, I was blown away yeah, by the music. Yeah. You know, and oh, great stuff. And then, okay, so let's move forward a bit. So you then studied at the Southern Cross University in Lismore with. Well, among others, my very good friend Jim Kelly, a wonderful guitarist and a well phenomenal educator yeah. too. Yes, isn't he? yeah, I was really—I um, didn't know what I wanted to do, and uh, a friend of mine was doing the course up there, and I never thought I could go to university because my, my grades were terrible. I spent all my time playing in bands and not studying, and just playing the guitar, you know. And, and uh, yeah, my found out about it. I thought this sounds amazing, you know, this course and. Um, my dad drove me all the, drove us all the way up there, me and my two brothers, and we camped out in the tent in Evan's head, and we drove, and I did an audition and uh, played a couple of pieces for him. One was like a shredding rock piece I'd written in school, and yeah. um, which he really liked, although it's not his bag, you know. And then he said, "Have you got anything else?" And I played this kind of Stanley Jordan, my own sort of version of um, Coltrane's um, cover of um, My Favorite Things, you know. And, and I, and I yeah. think he, well, not like Stanley Jordan, but kind of a, you know. Wasn't two hands. I did a bit of kind of little bit of tapping, but it was more just fingers. It was like finger style kind of thing, with some slapping yeah. to make these sounds, you know. And then, um, yeah. But, and my grades were terrible, but he was really supportive. Said, "Look, you know, um, would you be into this? Are you into this? You know, he played he played some walking like sort of Joe Pass stuff. Are you, do you dig this? And I, you know, and, he, and, he, and, I, and I did, and he he got me in. You know, I was very lucky because my grades were too yeah. low. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was amazing. This green, very green-eyed country kid coming up to somewhere like Lismore, away from his mother's cooking. You know, at eighteen, and and I suppose Lismore was like the big. Smoke yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd obviously I'd been to Sydney and stuff, but um, it was different. It was like it was such a different vibe to where I'd grown up because I grew up in a country town. It was rugby union and rugby league and all that kind of stuff. And then come up to somewhere Lismore, it's you know, it's kind of almost stuck in the sixties or seventies and. A lot of hippies and and uh, alternate lifestyle, which it was a bit of that where I grew up, but hardly anything like that. So it was an eye opener, and that being obviously it's like being a kid and going to band camp. You know, you're surrounded by all these people who are in the same thing you're into. You know, and it's it's um amazing. And of course, you know, studying with Jim, I, I learned a great. You know, I learned a lot. And he loves other guitarists. He's tremendously supportive of other yeah. guitarists. Yeah, he was he? always he was always yeah. uh, he was always very good, very good to me. I'm talking about him like he's dead. He's, and of course, he's not. <laughs> he's running a studio now. He's doing lots of great things. I haven't seen him for a long time. I'd love to see him again. But um, yeah, yeah. So that was that. Yeah. And the fun, I didn't really gig much. I wasn't gigging at all at university, though. I just kind of, which I should have been. 
you know, I just kind of practiced and chased girls really and um, had an amazing <laughs> university life. But um, it wasn't until I kind of moved down to Sydney that I started gigging again and that was kind of kind of off, you know. Okay, so you moved down to Sydney after you'd finished your course and then... Then, then I, um, <laughs> I, you know, it was a struggle. I, um, you know... I kind of guess I'd been living in this shell up there, going to university, and I didn't really know how to hustle, get work, what that was. It wasn't my thing, you know. And um, I had day, I had a day job pretty much on and off throughout my thirties until I moved to London. But um, of course, I did, I did, um, did, did eventually get gigs, and I had some, a lot of corporate work, and and uh, play was made some great friends and. Uh, talking about Tina to you the other day, Tina Harris, Mr. Tina Harris. Tina Harris, yeah, yeah wonderful. Yeah, multi instrumentalist, yeah. very, very dear friend of mine, love her to death. She rang me up and said, Look, I've got this project, and she had this band. I was about, you know, it was over 20, 25 years ago now. It's her band, Delicatessen. And uh, that was a great experience. And got to play, you know, Scott Tinkler was in the, on the album, you know, all these great, great musicians playing this kind of Latin funk, her compositions, you know, and the. And the Playing with her, yeah. kind of, I met a few people and, you know, and that kind of pushed me out to that world a little bit. And, um, but I always had a job, you know, I wasn't one of these guys who kind of lived in a house of 10 people and was on the dole and, which is what I should have been doing. <laughs> Practicing 10 hours a day. Well, you did what you did. That, you know. Anyway, can't no, really fix no. that now. I guess I learned something <laughs> else, didn't I? So... so Okay, well, talking about um, practicing, um, let's um, have a listen to uh, some of your fantastic playing. Um, you're working on a, on an album. I'd like to listen to this tune called uh, Nine Pint Blues. Can you it's, explain a bit about that? Well, it's, yeah, I, I love beer. In fact, as I was almost going to say to you, I pretty much had a day job in Sydney so I could afford to drink beer. What music doesn't like beer? But Well, that's, well, that's a good cause, isn't it? Cut down these days. But, yeah, having a gig, I mean, having a gig in the West End is, uh, you, you know, you're making good money and uh, there's a lot of disposable income. And it was pretty mad times. But, you know, I started doing this gig early 2009 and you'd just be out in the booze after every show. You know, you're right in the middle of Soho and... We had some pretty amazing times, you know. I could have bought another house probably if I hadn't, if, I, if I was teetotal. But um, so I think yeah, this, you know, the, the the idea of the name of the tune came from that, and it's in it's in nine as well. So it was just a bit of a joke. Yeah, nine eight. Yeah, nine nine eight. Yeah. So yeah, this is a great tune. Uh, one of uh, Damien's compositions and features some truly uh, wonderful guitar playing. This is uh, nine pint. Blues.
So that was some Nine Pint Blues by Damien Cooper, featuring some pretty dazzling virtuosic jazz guitar there. So um, it sounds like you're, are you using the sweep picking? Yeah, sometimes. Um, It's not something I uh, think about really, but. Funny when I was when I was in high school, I got I had that Frank Ambali video, you know, and um, I yeah. was completely blown out with that. Um, and I tried sort of getting into it, but I couldn't really do it. I could do it just coming back, but not going the other way, sort of thing. But you sort of get yeah. you know you sort of come up with your own ways of playing things, I guess. And um, there's a lot of it's probably a bit of legato and stuff in there where you you play a line, but you yeah I yeah I tried one of Frank's books. And it just felt so weird, like kind of like weird in the way of like wearing a yeah. pair of shoes that's one size too big. It's good for him. It's not good, it's not good for yeah. everyone, is it? It's, <laughs> it's like trying to play like Tommy Emanuel or something so, in his book. And it doesn't necessarily, just because you've got yeah. the book doesn't mean you can do it. Yeah. Although he, he is a spectacular. Oh, amazing. Talent, yeah. Frank He's a legend. Yeah. So, yeah, so you, it's not really strictly sweeping, but it, it certainly doesn't sound like you're doing loads of alternate picking is there a lot of um mixed what well they call yeah a mixture of, a like, mixture of um, stuff yeah uh, it's what's like slurring and hammer-ons yeah, it's um yes yeah, I, I guess it's hard to not really think about it anymore but yeah there's a lot of that sort of stuff and so yeah and there's that your is that a yeah three, used to three three five and just so. um because i've just got my little home studio and as it's just a little just a demo thing i did really but um it's into a camper which is kind of a like an Axe FX kind of okay. thing, you know. Supposed to be like a, a yeah. deluxe, Fender Deluxe Sam on fire. So, what is a camper? I don't really it's a, know. What um, it is. It's a device um, that emulates guitar amplifiers. Um, and what it basically does is it's pretty amazing. It's been around for about five, five to ten years now. I think maybe not that long. But you can play, you can profile your amps. So, it has this thing where if you're in a studio, um, I haven't done it myself, and you can sort of play your amplifier into it. It takes it takes a grab of the sound, an impulse response. What you pl- oh yeah, right. it's it like takes a like a sam- sample, yeah, and um, what a sample of the yeah, amplifier's sound, response? Impulse, impulse response. Um, wow. I'm probably getting this all wrong now. People are going, "What are you talking about?" The experts out there, but but it's it's amazing. I mean, uh, same as I use in the west in the West End on shows. Every no one uses amps anymore. It's all pretend, and you're on you're on in ear headphones. But um, and this. So I, I, you know, I've got this and the XFX, but the the Kemper, you then sort of you can just download profiles of these people who have all these amps. Who and some guys do this for a living; they just profile amps. And of course, you're getting amps like Ron Ford's Dumble and things like this. They get a hold of it and they profile it. So that was that amp. That amp yeah. on that particular track, I think, was a Fender '67. Would have been an original '67 Deluxe that someone's profiled. And um, okay. It sounds amazing. It sounds great in the mix for someone who can't afford to get a great room and a great amp and be in a studio all the time. You've got this this profile thing. So, okay, it's a really anyway. It's a Thanks, great man. guitar sound. So yeah, anyway, and great playing. I think the world needs to hear more of your oh, jazz man, Thank you. I love. Man. That's the plan. I love to. Yeah, do. I've got to do more music. You know, it's it's. Yeah. So you've made a living um, playing commercial music and and you've been doing this michael jackson show in the west end for 11 years and you've also been playing with dr hook you said 
um, uh, started working with um, Dennis LaCorier, who was the lead singer in Put, basically. And, um, you know, obviously a long, that kind of music's a long way from Michael Jackson or, or jazz or anything. But um, as a muser, you take what you get. And, uh, sure. And uh, I, I do like the music. It's a whole different thing. They're, they're great legendary tunes from the 70s. It was such a, such a niche thing. Sure, yeah. And again, my whole life as a yeah. muser, I guess I've been just having to wear different hats to make a living. So um, it's, it's, it's roots Americana, rock and roll country kind of thing. And there's slide... Slide lap yeah. steel. I don't play lap steel, but I try and emulate it with effects oh, and right. a volume pedal oh, and the way you kind of bend yeah. the strings and and really trying to nail those that music, which is the Muscle Shoal guys played on his on a lot of his albums. Yeah, they're great, great oh, guitar parts. Oh, awesome! And he's got a huge following. He's got diehard fans, you know. And um, you know, he's I bet. You know, yeah, we're supposed to be in Norway. We're supposed to be in Norway last week, even you know. But yeah, it's a great, it's great oh, fun. It's we've been doing I mean, the same band, and we all get yeah. on and have a laugh, and it's it's just yeah. it's just good time. It's good oh, fun. Great. I really miss it. I hope to get back out there next year. And yeah, because when you're doing that sort of thing, you know, the it's not about no. improvisation at all, is it? It's a but it's about yeah. getting the vibe and being yeah, really so active, I, you know, isn't it? Sounds and solo and sounds as well, like programming. Again, we don't have amps on stage and uh, yeah. programming and Axe FX, which oh, is another right. one of these kind of units to try and emulate the sounds off the records, you know, and make it make it make it make it sound like oh, that. Okay. And then you, I really yeah, I really enjoy it. I mean, as guitarists though, we love you like we it? love tone, you like the we? Challenge, tone is yeah. everything. We're always trying to find find yeah, I mean, absolutely. Thing, I guess you know you. You're trying to find all these different tones on all these different gigs to get these different sounds. Like Thriller, I did all the programming on that show to try and mm. make the sound sound like the like the album. But then you want to have your own tone sure, for yeah. your own music, and that's a completely different thing. And that's yeah. something I have to develop. Mm. You know, it's something that you you know. Um. So you um. Yeah, working on your sound and everything. So um. So you've done a lot of this commercial music, but you've always kept your jazz playing. Trying to, yeah. Like I mean, sometimes time, it's a really hard yeah. one because if you, if I didn't have any work, I wasn't doing much, and you sit around being creative for a while, you get you, you start your jazz chops. They they start getting better because you're listening to a lot, you're playing a lot of stuff, and then of course you might get something turns up, and you got to play rock, mm. you got to play like Steve Lugat there, and you got and all that that kind of style then goes out the window either way. So it's been a real challenge to try and, you know, mm. don't you find one hand bit. shakes the other though. A little bit, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's obviously that thing it, with yeah. tune of mine is you can obviously there's obviously stuff there I'd play if I was shredding out on a on a, ch- a Jackson tune mm. or something. I guess they're definitely intertwined, but you're not swinging. You're not swinging when you're playing funk, you know. No, but, it's a different know. feel, yeah. But I mean, I mean, I played a show a couple of years ago, uh, Sting's show, The Last Ship, and um, it was acoustic guitar, ninety. Seventy percent acoustic guitar, and all I concentrated yeah. on was accuracy, playing in time and that getting a great very sound. You know. oh, I was great, and he likes things perfect, but he's nice about it. And actually, then I found when I played jazz, I was I was really on, in good shape because I wasn't obsessing about jazz all the yeah, time. Yeah, take mind a break. Was on Have a break from completely it. different. Like just just playing. Yeah, and so then when I did practice jazz, I was kind of on fire. Because I, I think probably because I wasn't Thinking obsessing about it like yeah. I normally do, and I just yeah, and I just kind of pick up and just start playing. It's like oh, 
bang, you know. Anyway, I do. As I said, one hand shakes yeah. the other kind um, of thing, you know. I mean, every you know everything we play is great, isn't it? I mean, that musical, that music, having to play those instruments, yeah. get that tone, get that sound, get that style. There's something beautiful about that. That's yeah, and just as challenging and rewarding, and yeah, you know, and it teaches you something else. You know, and it makes you have a. Yeah, and it makes you play jazz better, I think, because you concentrate on tone and playing in time, and then you bring yeah, that into yeah. your jazz playing, don't you? So, um, what one other thing that I notice is, is of course, all of us guitarists have to, well, if you're going to make a living, you have to be good at playing acoustic and nylon string guitar, which is something I'm, I've always been extremely fond of, anyway. And I think every guitarist has a has a love of the acoustic guitar and, and the classical guitar. And um so I'd like to play another track of yours now. This um Bacon Sandwich Mirage. What's it called? Bacon Sandwich Mirage. Uh yeah. It's a sort of unexpected title, but it, it's um it's a sort of flamenco influenced yeah. piece I never on thought classical of it like guitar. That. I think it's so, Phrygian. Yeah. Phrygian sound, I guess it's kind of a bit like that, yeah. And uh, you get a great tone. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, something. Guitar. The last ten years, that's, I that's, yeah. sort of got it more into. I wouldn't call myself a classical musician by any chance, but I sort of, yeah, love love playing it because you can just play a piece on your own, and it's beautiful music. Yeah, you know, playing Bach playing, or playing, yeah, you know, romantic stuff, or and then crossing it over into doing some more modern, you know, like the legends, like um, he's the great Ralph Towner. Yeah. Guys like that, you know, those kind of guys and that whole thing, you know, yeah. chords and melody. And I like the, you know, I like to, it's something, I'm, it's, for me, it's like yeah. a long game. It's something I can see myself being older and just having a nice, getting older and older, having more repertoire of music. Mm. So let's have a listen to um, uh, Damien Cooper's fantastic uh, Bacon Sandwich Mirage. Right, so that was uh, Damien Cooper's Bacon Savage Mirage. Very intriguing tune, uh, beautifully written, very interesting and uh, wonderfully played, yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's great that you've got this this passion for um, 
classical guitar and acoustic guitar, which which we all do. So um, it's a very strange time, strange time to be making plans for the future for all of us. But taking that into account, I'm sure you've got at least plans for what you want to do musically, at least it, art, yeah. from an artistic perspective, if not a professional one. Have you got... Um, yeah, I mean, I really want to do an album. I really want to, um, and then just generally improve, you know, just get, just try and get better and better in what I do, and and having more diversity as well would be would be great. I'd like to be playing more creative music for for an income would be fantastic. Yeah, as as everyone everyone wants to do that, mm. um, like yourself, you know. And, but just just that really, just getting better, mate, and and you know. Being a better musician, you know, hopefully having better, being able to play with more people, different people, better musicians, yeah. and, and having a good time. And as, as Jim having Kyle, a good as time. Jim, as Jim Kelly said to me, it's not about, it's about the journey kind of thing, yeah. you know, because we're always chasing this thing up. Yeah, and I think it's you know it's never good enough. And and I know even guys like Holsworth had that problem. They're always chasing. They're not happy. They're sure you know, that thing and just trying to, um, you know find out more about who you are as a musician yeah and i think what you said that phrase having a good time is really important you know not be too heavy you know i remember when you first met me you were a bit surprised that i i actually had a sense of humor and you said oh you're not how i thought you would be at all and i (laughs) said yeah and i said and i said what do you mean and you said well you're a good laugh. And I said, yeah, yeah, of course, you know. And he said, but you're such a serious musician. And I, and I don't remember what I said, but to me, having a good laugh is actually part of, of, be, of taking things seriously, you know, because I think if you've got a sense of humour, then it puts the listener at ease and makes them more yeah. relaxed and, and they can actually take what you're doing more seriously, you know. Yeah, you're a pretty serious guy on stage, though. I mean, in between tunes, you aren't, but I'm. I've, you know. Oh I yeah. You play something, something the other day, and you're very. It's very like pensive. Oh very, sure. Because you're so. Uh, I guess you're so focused, and you know. Well, yeah. I, to you know. me, it's about. You know, being serious. It's all serious. I mean, even to me, being funny is serious. Like making sure yeah. that that you make people laugh and pay, put people at ease. That's that's a serious thing for me it's like you know i wanted to ask you actually a serious question when you when you're um on stage and you're trying to be in the moment mm. improvising mm. playing a solo and stuff because that's something i'm trying to work on it's not just about the language or technique it's about being relaxed and not trying to yeah do anything and just letting things flow mm. i think and kenny werner that that great book um, yeah Effort, effortless mastery yeah. i've had that for like 20 years yeah. and i must read it again i have to keep going back to it just to remind myself sure. not to yeah, myself up full of blah, wisdom. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he talks about just thinking about your breathing. He's, he's Wonderful, he man. If he's not if he's not listening to his breathing, he's not he's not playing. You're not yeah. playing great. You know, it's, Steve Gad. Steve Gad says the same thing. Right. Mm. Is that how you approach that when you're in I, the? Yeah. 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 I just. I mean, I do two things. I think about my breathing. I look at the audience, so I'm not introverting too much. And I really listen actively to all the other musicians. Yeah. And if I'm doing those three things, then the music just comes out. It's happening. Mm. Yeah. I, I think the thing is to divert your attention away from yourself 
Like yes. really listen to the other yeah. musicians and look at the audience when you when you can, you know. That's interesting. Look yeah. at the audience. Yeah, that's and then then you then you're not just looking at yourself thinking, oh, I I suck or oh, yeah. I played that damn lick again. And you will but, and you will suck if you're thinking like that. Yeah, and I think I think yeah. the other thing is it's really important to be forgiving to yourself. You know, like if you do play the same lick or the you know, same stuff that you play all the time you know <laughs> the bane of our lives um mclaughlin john mclaughlin said you know you have to play what you know before you can yeah. play what you don't know which is a yes. very forgiving way of looking at it so that's the other thing is i don't beat myself up i just go okay played the same lick again for the ten thousandth time okay fine <laughs> you know <laughs> It's funny, isn't it? You think you're playing rubbish and then you hear recording you back and you go, actually, that was all right. Yeah, and actually the the proportion of the same old stuff is pretty minimal, even though it feels the same, you know. Anyway, time to wrap it up. It's been really fascinating talking to you. I could talk for another two hours, yeah. Man, I'm really honoured to, you know, you're one of my heroes, you know, back from the day, man, and and, um, and uh, honoured to be on here and, and uh, you know. It's inspirational to to do this. So, oh, thank you. Well, you're an inspiration to me. You're a great guitarist and and, Thanks, a, and, a, and a great guy. And uh, really looking forward to hearing your album. Thanks, man. Yeah. So that was uh, Damien Cooper. Thank you very much to Damien and um, thanks to you for listening and uh, I'll see you next time bye thanks for listening for lessons, resources and free stuff to take your guitar playing to the next level visit www.fretdojo.com